0: Welcome to Chai with Sam Dosa. This is your host, Sam Dosa. My podcast, Chai with Sam Dosa, has been in inception since June 2020, and it's available on Spotify, iTunes, and all other major brands. What I bring on this podcast is a heart-centered conversation with my guests all around the globe. If you haven't actually listened as yet the conversation, jump on and listen to some amazing conversation with my guests. And this podcast can be downloaded and we really appreciate if you can give us a feedback and if you're looking for some specific discussion, please get in touch with me at sam at samdosa.com. I would really appreciate your support. So today I have amazing guest another amazing guest, all the way from, uh, I'm I'm correct, New York, and um, she is a a connection coach. Uh, Her name is Rachel J. So let's welcome my guest, Rachel J. Welcome to Sam Dosa.
1: Hi, Sam. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here and chat with you again.
0: Amazing, amazing, amazing. So who is Rachel J.?
1: <laughs> That's such do? a loaded question. What do you do? <laughs> my audience
0: what do you do, first.
1: So I, as Sam said, I am uh, the connection coach, and so essentially, what I do is I um, spread connection education to people who want more meaningful relationships. In you know, particularly this time of social is- isolation and depression and anxiety and loneliness. Um, And there are many factors as to why that's happening, even beyond and before the pandemic hit. And um, more specifically, I specialize in working with men. Um, Men are highly underserved and underrepresented in terms of their mental and emotional well-being and suffering from uh, such effects. And so that is my primary, uh, demographic that I serve, but the techniques that I coach people on are really for everyone. It's really a universal, um, sort of practice.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Thank wow. You. So Rachel, tell us, uh, uh wh- 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 what is your purpose? Wh- wh- did you find your purpose? <laughs> uh, is it something you discovered right now or as you have discovered before Uh, so you already told us about who you are so now tell us about your purpose let's see whether because some of my guests came in and said sam purpose i'm still digging on this journey Mm. which is a which is a good way of saying that so just share with me sure
1: yeah i don't think i realized what my purpose was until um Until I really started doing this work and finding how transformative it is, um, not just for clients, but how it's been transformative for myself and then wanting to share that. But when I think back, I really am able to connect the dots as to, you know, my whole life since I was a kid, I was, I was a kid, but I was someone that other people just felt safe coming to and opening up to with sensitive information and, and. I had, I don't know, I probably knew more than I should have at the age that I was at, but for some reason I was safe and that continued as I grew into adulthood and, um, continued to be a safe space for people to come to and share things with that. They didn't share things to other people. Um, and I went through my own trials and tribulations and, you know, figuring out my own life and making mistakes as we do. And, um, Then when I became a certified platonic touch therapist in 2017, and I started working with clients in this capacity of actually holding space and allowing them to feel seen, that was when I really kind of discovered like, this is my purpose truly is allowing people to feel seen and to feel safe and to not feel judged for anything about them, whatever it is, just radical empathy that is, um, That is my purpose, truly. And so from that place, you know, I want to teach other people how to practice radical empathy and to be able to, you know, open up the dialogue rather than shut down when in moments where they're triggered and um, really be able to experience connection at a level that, that so many people are lacking now.
0: Wow. Come on. I just want to understand uh, this uh, radical empathy. What is radical empathy? Mm. And everybody talks about empathy. (laughs) One of the the pillar of emotional intelligence, empathy. We all empathize with a lot of things, but what is radical empathy?
1: Radical empathy to me um, is practicing empathy even when I am triggered. Having the awareness, even um, in moments that I would easily judge the actions of somebody else, whether it's whether those actions or um, words or beliefs are about me or somebody else, removing my reaction, my ego reaction and saying, "Okay, (laughs) pause, like aside from me being triggered, which is something else that I have to figure out, where is this coming from? And so I think a lot of times, you know, when we think of empathy in broader terms, it's about compassion and it's about, you know, being able to see from somebody else's perspective in a situation, but it's hard to maintain that empathy in moments where we get triggered ourselves. And so being able to pause and remove myself from a situation to really think about what this other person might be experiencing in this moment that is causing them to act in this way. It, it's, it's a whole different sort of response in me then because I can release that trigger. Wow. So to me, yeah, radical empathy is about really removing yourself and your triggers from what other people do to be able to go deeper into what, whatever's going on.
0: Wow. So for, for, for a person uh, like me to come to that place of uh, radical empathy, what are the steps one has to take is it something mm. simple or somebody has to go on a uh, journey to Tibet and sit on the- <laughs> <laughs> in the monastery? <laughs> so- well,
1: yeah, I think my journey to Tibet is pending. <laughs> I haven't been there yet. So, um, you know, I'm sure it's something that I could still continue to get better at myself, but I don't think it's necessary to be able to st- start getting there um and I would imagine you know to go to Tibet and and go to a monastery there's probably a prerequisite like you have to reach some level of radical empathy before they let you in um yeah I you know I don't know if there's steps per se but it's it's I think the first step probably if there is a step is the willingness to want to to have radical empathy and you know view somebody else with that level of compassion and openness and understanding um you know any sort of journey to anything starts with a willingness a true open-hearted willingness so um, that has to be there but i think it's just small actions you know i think it's really in just small actions and the awareness having a lot of self-awareness for yourself Um, in terms of how we respond to certain situations, because then we can start to notice what our triggers actually are and, um, what they're telling us. And once we have that better awareness about our own triggers, then, you know, we can start to be conscious of those when people do things that cause those reactions. And then, you know, so just, but I don't think it even has to be like, okay, I'm aware of my triggers and, now you've just said something that upset me and I have to take this leap to okay I'm practicing radical empathy like it, it's it doesn't have to be this like extreme leap but it's just simple acts of like I'm going to pause and I'm going to listen to what you're saying and actually try to understand it.
0: I think this whole part what you are describing is part of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Because emotional intelligence is scattered on uh, self-awareness which is the first step for you to be yeah. self-aware of your emotions and people who says that i can control my emotions i'll say good luck mate mm. you can control it good luck for you but nobody can control emotions we manage emotions
1: yes and that's
0: the first part of emotional intelligence radical empathy comes as the pillar of emotional intelligence because we, once, as you say, we know our own emotions, the triggers and everything. And we do not want people, anybody else's things will create anything else in ourselves. Because I think we have gone through that journey of self-awareness, being self-aware of our own journey, being present in the moment, being learning about things which happens. Mm-hmm. Things comes in your life. You just look at it and says, yeah, okay, thank you very much. Let it be. Let's go move forward. You can't just hold down there and sit there and just cry about it because yeah, that's all right. You can cry about it. Nobody's saying that you don't have to cry about it. Cry about it, it's okay. But do not stick on to the same place for the rest of your life, move on. Mm. Life has to be enjoyed. Life is to be enjoyed in the moment. It happens in the split second. You just enjoy the smile on your face. Seeing people on the road and they are laughing, then you smile and have a gesture. You know, your oxytocin get created in your body and you start to see, my God, I'm feeling really, really good because your body is changing chemicals and that's yeah. creates a very good dance in your body and it's trying to help you to think outside the box. You look at the sun and you say, wow, sun is shining. Amazing day. Let's go enjoy See, the smile comes on your face and you started to engage yourself. That's, that's, you change your mood, modes. You're changing your mood accordingly. Even though it's it's raining, so what? It's raining, it's part of life. Let it be. Mm. Yeah, but that comes with the self-awareness. That's come with the self-awareness. Once you become self-aware of your each and every things, that gives you that, resilience, the courage, the confidence and everything and you look at things Some come, somebody comes up to you and swear at you, you just look at that and says thank you, good luck. I'll yeah. be parable over here with a with a Sufi, uh, Rumi uh, uh, was waiting for a, a big uh, uh, rabbi, rabbi at that time. He was very analytical rabbi and he was trying to say that my religion Judaism is better than other religions so he was prepared himself that if Rumi will tell me this I'm going to ask this question he's going to tell me this I'm going to ask that question so he was preparing himself to having a a proper scholarly Mm. conversation with Rumi so when he came to Rumi and he says you know what Judaism is the best, best religion in the world and Rumi says I do agree with that there is no problem with that and the guy could not have any other <laughs> question to ask because Rumi it. He says, "Okay, if you say so, I acknowledge it." So he could not ask the next question. So that's that's the way you create this uh, emotional intelligence or the self-awareness in yourself. If somebody says something to you, just you acknowledge it and thank you. That's all right. Goodbye, mate. Mm.
1: Not interested
0: in your concentration because you are coming from a place of fear. You're coming from the place of uncertainty, you're coming from the place of being not valued. So you're trying to put all your gung on me. I'm mm-hmm. not interested, thank you very much. You move on with your life, I move on. So I think radical empathy is, is the, the source from the self-awareness um, branch, come together into a place where you feel completely aligned and ready and you are saying, whatever comes, you're just acknowledging it. You are not taking it literally on yourself and saying, oh my God, that's doing something in me. But mm-hmm. you think, it's okay. I feel that way. is all right. Let me just acknowledge it. The time we do not acknowledge things, and that's where the problem, or I say the, the anxiety and the uh, anxiousness started to come up it started to creep into your body and you just started to feel uncomfortable. You are Mm -hmm. not ready to make right decisions. You're feeling completely angry. You're completely unsettled. You're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm worthless. I, nobody cares about me. I'm just nothing. And that sort of mindset you started talking to yourself. That's create a bigger, bigger uh, issues. So in, in regards to your journey, do you connect with uh now now you're talking about men and i'll tell you men are quite a secretive uh, species we do not want to talk (laughs) especially the emotion side of it correct yeah it's very hard for a man for talk about emotions because we are conditioned not to yes because we live in the society we says, men don't cry. And mm-hmm. that's been how we have been built. So, how do you work with men who come to you and say, Rachel, you know, this is what is happening? And how do you open those, go into that sort of uh, what I call it, a uh, guista, where it's very, <laughs> they are ready to explore that opportunity?
1: right yeah that's a great question and it's such a valid point i mean that's exactly why i do specialize in supporting men is because we are conditioned men and women are conditioned from an early age that boys don't cry if you cry then you're acting like a girl and no boy wants to be told they're acting like a girl and you know even from childhood um, if a boy gets hurt, it's like, oh, throw some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Walk it off. You know, don't worry. Like you're fine. But with the girls, we coddle them and it's like my poor baby, we kiss the boo-boo, you know, and then that message is reinforced in school by the other kids who are being conditioned that you can't cry if you get hurt. Um, and so we end up with men who can't cry, won't cry, won't show their emotion, Um, And that is very problematic for so many reasons. And I think that those suppressed emotions are really what drives a lot of the conflict that we see around the world because the only acceptable emotion is rage, right? Um, Or lust for men, rage or lust. And so for me, how I sort of, I guess, break down that wall is, um, by being very approachable, I'm, I mean, part of it, I I feel like maybe this is like a cheap answer, but I feel like because of my life experience and relationships that I've had and male friendships that I've had in the past, there's just something that I exude that men often feel very safe with me very quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that I have to specifically apply per se, but I do, um, Try to, you know, talk to them in terms that are comfortable and safe for them. So, you know, if you look at my, um, my social media platforms or my website, it's through a football analogy. So my access point in to emotions for men is by talking about sports, Sports and sex, and that's how I'm relating because sports is another area where it's socially acceptable for men to express emotion. You know, we see at the end of a game, the winning team members hugging each other. You know, there's so much love and so much camaraderie and affection. Like, dude, we did it, we killed it. You know, like what a great season. I'm so proud of you. Couldn't have done it without you. Those are emotions and things that men would not say to each other in another context. And, um, and so, you know, and even as spectators, it's like men are allowed to get really excited when their team does well and really pissed when their team does badly. And, um, so I use that as sort of an access point and using that language to be able to sort of, I guess, demonstrate that talking about emotions doesn't have to be scary or clinical Because I think that a lot of the perception around getting support also is that it's very clinical and sterile and, um, a lot, you know, even though therapy has come a long way in terms of removing the stigma, it's still very stigmatized for men. And I think a lot of men also view therapy as like a last ditch resort, you know, like shit must be really bad if I'm going to go talk to a therapist. And so I want to create a space and a container where they're getting that level of support and the safety of that container. However, it's not going to have that um, scary or clinical feel to it.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's where a lot of men are looking for an avenue to express. And as you mentioned, uh, rage and lust er- uh, is the area where uh, they come out because they are suppressing that uh, mm. emotions in them. Mm. Uh, but there is an emotion for a father that, uh, uh, who does not have a proper companionship, who does not have a proper relationship, even mm. though he is a head of the house, but there is no relationship. And, and, and also when they go to work, it's another mask you put on to mm-hmm. define yourself that you are in command and deep down you are actually not very in, in a good health so your mm-hmm. exterior look very impressive that you are showing off a lot of things but your inter- internal thing is completely damaged and uh, which mm-hmm. can be burst anytime i've seen yes. i've seen people uh, uh, men i've seen so far i've heard two people within my previous corporate journey one person died on his desk
1: oh wow
0: we found him they found him in the on the desk he will, he passed away because of a heart attack another guy oh. did not show up to work and they found him in his house that he passed away it's that story That's he,
1: heartbreaking
0: it's heartbreaking correct but mental health awareness has been in, on the board right now and with mm. this pandemic it has actually shoot up extremely Mm -hmm. high Uh, people gone through with uncertainty men and women both uh, living in the same place where is a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. you can't stand your partner each other can't stand the partner but they have to work together children are jumping on each other father or mother who is working full-time never knew how to look after the children in the house because Mm -hmm. when she's trying to cuddle the children this is Well, we need more daddy. We need daddy. Vice versa. When daddy is trying to hug the children, then this is no, we need mommy. We don't Mm -hmm. need daddy. We don't know who who you are. That's that's why, because that's been stigmatized a lot of things. Stigma is there. Stigma is there where we have been put into cubicles. And that's Mm -hmm. where the relationship started to break down and affects a lot of people. And it's affecting at this moment as well that everybody's coming out from this uh, pandemic and feeling anxious to go out yeah. or not, or stay at house. People are being invited to go back to work and they says, no, I'd rather work from home now because I am find very comfortable to work from home. <laughs> because, because it's my time, how I wake up in the morning and how I'm communicating and what time I wake up and what time I finish, it's my choice. So there are a lot of uh, challenges people are facing right now. So, so, give 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 my audience something which do you think that might be helpful for people who are going through with this uncertainty at this present moment.
1: Mm. Well, before I do that, I I want to say that I'm so glad that you brought up about the relationships mm-hmm. um, because that is that is. Uh, there's so much breakdown in relationships, but the pandemic really exacerbated that because of the conditions. And because exactly, as you said, everybody's at home now and forced to be in these close quarters, a hundred percent of the time. And like you said, the roles get a little bit wonky because, you know, everybody's home. It's like, I'm not used to you being home. And they're part of that too. You know, I, Yes, the cubicles definitely are part of, you know, where that um, starts to break down. But also it's, it's when kids come into the picture and this is something that I talk about a lot is that when that primary relationship no longer is being nurtured, then the, you know, the person who is at the cube farm and wearing that mask and like, okay, well, I'm the head of the household and I'm the provider. And like, I guess this is my role now. end up getting very left out from a lot of things that happen at home sometimes with the family because they're out working and making the money and trying to do what is expected of them to do and they have been conditioned to do as again quote unquote men this is what the man does um so so they end up get missing out on some of the family stuff and feeling left behind in that way but like i said as well if that partnership is no longer being nurtured that's huge too, because so much of a man's safety in being able to finally express emotions when they find their partner is that, okay, this is somebody there's trust, you know, there's mutual affection and we feel like a match. And I have been shown that it's safe for me to express my emotions and talk about what's going on. I can finally let that gate down. Right. But then once Once other factors come into the relationship where that relationship is no longer being nurtured consistently and to where it can continue to grow, then that safety dissipates and trust is broken. And so that is another compounding factor that causes a man to isolate and feel depressed. And, you know, and then there's all these destructive coping coping mechanisms. So it's such an important piece, you know, that you brought up. And so I just wanted to um, tap into that a little bit. But um, because it's another reason why I I specialize in supporting men is so that they can start to gain that confidence back up to be able to ask for what they want with their partners. Um, but to the question that you just asked, you know, it's. I mean, I think everything comes down to self awareness as the first and foremost foundational piece is having that self awareness to notice when. I'm feeling like shit, like what's going on there? Why, what are the factors? What are the things that are coming into that? And either, you know, doing something about it as far as like changing the circumstance, maybe, maybe going back to work is the right thing because being at home is making me feel worse because my kids, you know, don't want me. And so it's easier to go back to work where I'm not I'm not faced with that rejection rather than being home and feeling viscerally that rejection because my kids don't know me like they should. Right. So, so they're like minor changes that a person can make when they start to have that awareness of like, okay, what am I feeling and what are the factors causing me to feel this way? But then, you know, other things are also that go deeper Um, is really doing the internal work and finding support and, you know, maybe somebody is at a point male or female where, um, they, they just need their partner to hold some space for them and they feel comfortable that they can ask for that, do it, you know, it's as simple as, as going to your partner and saying, I'm having a hard day today, you know, can I get a hug? Because again, the oxytocin comes into it, right? There's so much oxytocin that's flooded throughout our systems in as little as 20 seconds of healthy platonic touch. And skin hunger is a very real thing. And, you know, needing that tactile affection is critical for our well being. So if you can, if you're at a place where you can ask your partner for like just a hug, you know, then do it it's something that's so simple that can really change your mood and your outlook for that period of time. Um, and beyond that, you know, if you don't feel safe asking your partner for something like a hug or to listen to how your day was, then maybe find somebody who can listen, you know, because there's so much relief, um of suffering that can come from just putting words to the abstract concepts floating around in our minds and having somebody bear witness to that and receive it and not offer advice not say oh here's what you should do or oh but look on the bright side at least this at least that no that's not what we're looking for a lot of times oftentimes all we're looking for is that witnessing to say, like, this is how I'm feeling, because it's kind of a two fold thing, right? Like, first, it's about putting the words to the abstract concept so that you actually have that fine tuned what the situation and the issue is and getting it out, purging it out of your mind, whether it's through journaling or talking. But then the, the next piece of that is having somebody bear witness to it so that you actually feel seen. That does so much. For being able to relieve a lot of that pressure so yeah i mean those are some really simple things to start off with but
0: you touched quite a quite a significant uh, area in in the terms of uh, being present in the in the listening conversation it's not about i i am hearing you but i'm not present in the moment Mm. that's the most of the time is happening with men and women both so men work works hard and then he comes home women work hard she comes home she have answer to all her questions but she just wants to express her to her husband so mm-hmm. husband can listen but mm-hmm. husband is in his own cave because he thinks that I just need to relax I don't want her nagging. <laughs> From yeah. her perspective she's saying that I want to share my journey with her, him from his journey he's thinking that she's constantly talking I will fix her problems, I will fix her problems. And she says, I don't need to be fixed. I just want you to listen. I just want you to listen, I'm "I'm going to fix it. And then there is a problem here. And said, don't worry about it, I'll speak to my friends, don't worry about it. And then he goes into his cave. And that's the biggest issue in the relationship Mm
1: -hmm. and being
0: present and the vice versa, same thing. Men want to express, but because the woman has been conditioned that uh, men can't be weak, so they're looking at that periphery mm-hmm. and says, no, 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 he can't be weak. If he's going to be weak, how, how am I going to look after this, 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 this? So she shut down and says, I'm not interested in your weakness. I want you to be strong. Mm-hmm. And he feel like that I will not be listened by anybody. So he go outside and then have an affair. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. vice versa, If I'm not listening to my wife. She's going to say, he's not listening. He's very busy. I got somebody on Facebook. He's very interested in me and listening to me. He's very present in that moment, and he's not judging me. And that's how the marriage breaks down. How the relationship breaks down because somebody else listened to you. But the yes. time, man and woman has to understand if the relationship is 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 create magic if you know how to if you know what is the main ingredients, there are three things which I say to a lot of people in relationship. You need to ask your wife or your husband, how are you doing mentally, emotionally, and physically? These three things have to be. And then one fourth thing is spiritually. So mm-hmm. three things are very key ingredients because those three ingredients are very important. If you're mentally disturbed, if you're emotionally completely suppressing yourself, if you are physically unfit to make love to your wife or your husband, what he's going to do is he's going to look outside avenues. Mm-hmm. Finish your marriage is your your relationship and your marriage is broken down completely. Mm-hmm. But certain time, a lot of people, what they do is because in the society they live in, they pretend that the, the marriage is perfectly fine and they have their outside affairs going on which does not mean to anything because they'll say well my marriage is there my husband is there my husband knows what i'm doing my my wife knows what i'm doing that's perfectly fine we are happy who gives the monkeys about it let's continue with the life."
1: yeah
0: i've seen i've heard i've seen those sorts of things happen as well
1: oh yes i have as well and and um that's a big part of what I'm trying to help people avoid by reconnecting with each other. But there was something that you said that was so right on the head, you know, like let's blow this wide open because as you were saying, you know, the man, okay, well that's, he's not feeling the safety. And so he might have an affair and she might be feeling, well, he's not listening to me. So I'm gonna get on Facebook and this person listens to me dah, dah, dah. The The underlying piece of that from both those perspectives is that they both want each other, yes. but they're not getting what they need. And so that is what causes you know people to find validation somewhere else, but it's not because they want it. It's because it's not because they want to have an affair. It's because they want their partner, but they don't know how to express to their partner in a way that it will be received what it is they actually need. And so that's where You know, I mean, when the communication breaks down, that's everything because both one or both people are not feeling seen in the relationship and that they can't say to that person, like, this is what I need because there's so much fear of rejection a lot of times at this point. And so it's like, well, it's a lot easier to get on Facebook and, and start talking to somebody who, who is listening to me. It's like, oh my gosh. But the important thing to remember there too, is like, everybody is so present and listening at the beginning of a relationship. So you might find somebody who is going to see you in the way that you haven't been seen in who knows how long and you're going to receive that validation like yes this is what has been missing this is what I need it feels so good, but I guarantee you're going to run into those same problems you know, six months, a year, whatever down the road, because everybody puts their best foot forward and is so present and engaging at the beginning of a relationship, whatever it is. So let's go back to the marriage. (laughs) Like, let's look at what's not working here and recognize we both want each other. Still, there's still so much love there and there's history and there's, you know, there was trust there can be again. But people have to learn how to start talking to each other again and and learn how to, you know, advocate for themselves and take that fear of rejection out of it, because that's a big, big, big reason why why communication breaks down is because the history and the limiting beliefs and the stories that build over time cause us to be afraid to actually ask for what we want and need from our partner. And so we don't. And then we, we compensate and overcompensate with destructing coping mechanisms, whether it be affairs or substance abuse or gambling or, you know, anything where it's compensating for that lack of feeling seen in the relationship. So if people could learn how to, which is, this is why I'm on this mission. Like you can reconnect and reignite that intimacy with your partner, because if you wanted to leave, you would have left. Right there's a reason why you're still together, even if it's just for the kids. Like if you're, I I have strong opinions about staying in a relationship for the kids. I'm not for it. I I mean, (laughs) spoiler alert, I don't agree with doing that. No, me
0: me neither, me neither. Because Rachel, what happened is I was in the marriage for 17 years for the fact that I want to stay with with that woman because of my children. Mm -hmm. But she asked for the divorce. She had an affair behind my back. Mm. So I let her, let it go let it go. But she took my children with her. It was a big ask because I brought my children up myself. Mm. She was not there at the beginning. So it was a very big ask to give my children to her. And she threatened me that if you don't give me the children, I'm going to do something nasty. Mm. So I said, Yeah, that's take it. Take it. It's okay. Mm. And that time was my 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 time was very, very uh, I was in a completely shock because uh, I was living in a four-bedroom house, and my I, the entire house was empty because children were not there. There were no noise coming in there. There was a mm-hmm. pin drop silent in the house. And how can you live in that house when you live in the house for seventeen, for last seven, eight years in that house when my children were grown up on that children mm-hmm. that property? So, so a lot of things happens, and I would say to a lot of people when they are going through with this, this episode of destruction you know one has to ask is it important me to continue my journey with that person Mm -hmm. what are the things are common between both of us do we trust each other do we love each other do we have a sense of humor between each other Mm -hmm. are we connected in any ways is it because we are connected because of our children that's perfectly fine. But are these only things, or these are there are not nothing commonality is there? If there is no commonality between both of your relationship. That is better you move on with your life and find somebody who can give you those connections, mm. vice versa. Yes, otherwise, what you're going, you are going to be staying in the same rut for the next 50 years. I was reading this this uh, article about uh, silent treatment. Mm. A woman stayed in a marriage for 40 years and he asked, why did you stay in that relationship with that man who kept quiet for 40 years? Because he provided me a roof on my head and my children. (sighs) And that's what is happening. Mm -hmm. And that's where one has to understand you know, I wanted to be, relate. I, I was ready to stay in the same relations for the rest of my life because I wanted to be looking after my kids. But then it came to me that, Sam, move on with your life because you have to look for much better things in your life because you do not want to stuck in the same rut. Mm-hmm. You, know? you do not want to stagnate in the same thing. You, need, you have wings, you start flying you are an eagle eagle mm-hmm. fly very high in the top of the mountain so you are an eagle you need to fly, you need to start opening your wings and start flying otherwise what's going to happen is people will cut your feathers and you will become a house eagle and you are not going to be go out anywhere, <laughs> you will not be able to fly correct and that's what is, what a lot of things happen is when men started to open up as as a emotional being it is looked at as a weakness in there mm-hmm. yeah
1: and this is where um women really have a role to play in you know during the dating and the courting again with the gender role conditioning you know it's not just men that are conditioned women are conditioned as well and especially now with the how how strong the feminist movement is and vocal and um very opinionated on certain things for women there's a lot of pressure to join join the other feminists right and say like oh you know i don't need anybody i um i can do it all myself i'm self-sufficient you know whatever whatever we're gonna say right whatever the mantra is but We've also grown up with Disney movies and conditioning that, you know, this prince is going to rescue us. And that is hard conditioning to undo. And thankfully, you know, Disney movies are changing the narrative where that's not, you know, necessarily the case anymore, but, but that's what we've grown up with. So there's a lot of mixed messaging for women in terms of what they actually want from a partner, because on one hand, there's the societal, like no, you don't need a man to take care of you. You can do it all yourself. You know, you don't, um, you know, we're totally down with sensitive men. That's great. Like, show me your emotion. I don't want to be with some, you know, hardened douchebag, you know, like there's all of this conditioning, but then there's also like, but I I want somebody who's gonna make me feel small or like who's gonna take care of me or hold me when I cry. And, you know, we say, we go into relationships a lot of times saying like, I want a sensitive man. Um, but oftentimes, and what I challenge women to do is question for themselves. Do you want a sensitive man who is sensitive for himself and is actually in touch with his emotions? Or do you want a man who is sensitive to your needs? Because oftentimes what women say, what women mean when that they want a sensitive man is that they want a man who's sensitive to their needs but if that man begins to show emotion whoa you're weak whoa i have enough kids already whoa you know mama's boy if you wanted to be with your mom you should have married your mom you know like we hear all these things and so that's sending mixed mixed messages yeah. to men who thought like but you said you wanted a sensitive man i thought i was ju- like i thought finally like i could i could open up and be like show these emotions to somebody and have an actual partner and it's like oh wait Oh, I see. You wanted someone who's sensitive to your needs, but I still have to be a stoic wall. So, so there's a lot there, but I also wanted to go back to, you know, staying in a marriage for kids. So many times what we hear from people who, who stay in a marriage for the kids is, is I'm going to outright call it an excuse that you know what will it do f- to the kids you know to do this and so a lot of times you know and that's a that's a major consideration i don't want to minimize it like that's a huge part of it because divorce is a huge um trauma however i challenge people to look at okay what what model are you setting for your kids if you are staying in a relationship where it's either very toxic And, you know, maybe there's silent treatment or, um, or even if just, maybe it's not toxic. Maybe you're not fighting all the time, but there's no passion. There's no love. There's no connection, you know, none of these things, these commonalities, and it's just purely platonic roommate situation because you're staying for the kids. Is this the kind of relationship that you want to model for your kids? That like, when you dream of your ideal partner, like look at mommy and daddy, like, is that what you want for your kids? No. And kids are not stupid either. Kids know when there is something amiss, right? So are you doing more of a service to your kids by staying in a relationship that is not healthy and not fulfilling to either of you? Or are you harming them more by staying? And, you know, and I, so that's just to add to, because I completely agree with everything you said about, you know, being able to um, find something that is fulfilling for you and be able to spread your wings and fly. But, but that's another piece of it because we hear that a lot that, you know, people say, well, we're staying for the kids, but is that serving them or is that causing more harm?
0: But if, if you are, if you like, uh, when you ask the children, when the mother have this uh, emotional card to the, ch- to the daughter, you know, I stay with your father because of you. She turned oh. around who we'll asked you to do that? I didn't right. ask you to do that. Son says the same thing when father turned around and says, oh, I, I stayed for you, son. And son says, did I ask you? No. Mm-hmm. Was your life? You should have gone. Why did you stick to this, this woman when you were not in love with her, when you were not in place with her? And that actually created the conditioning in the person. The, both the children and when they go out, they're looking for exactly the same sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. Stuck in the same rut.
1: Yes. And also with guilt because their parents are blaming them essentially for their unhappiness. So it's not only like, you know, did you ask me if that's what I wanted, but it's also like, so you're blaming me. Mm. You're blaming me for the reason why you're unhappy and making it sound like it was this selfless, generous act, Mm. but it's not, it's because you were afraid of the unknown.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, so again, again, there are a lot of things with this this journey of individuals you know and and as as we we are right on the point where you know relationship only works if you are harmonized with each other
1: mm-hmm. it's,
0: again if you if you are looking for a man who is is good looking and is uh, connected to his emotions and everything but you are looking for your needs then you are being uh, being uh, fictitious for yourself, you are actually being wrong that you are you are just asking for that thing because you just want a toy in your life,
1: mm.
0: not mm. a real person, because you just want somebody to say, Oh, I'm missing something and something now. Even mm. you have no connection, you created a connection, but vice versa, men, does the same thing exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If you are a millionaire and if you know that they know your your uh, uh, points your weak points and everything they will deal upon those sort of things why women get really afraid to connect with people men or women connect both both side actually uh, because they are thinking i don't know whether it's the right thing whether it's to do the right connection is the right connection or not because there are a lot of triggers going on because they haven't healed themselves mm.
1: right they continue yes. to do the
0: same Journey, which they have been going on for the last fifteen years, and they are continuing on the same journey. We are attracted to the same people. Mm. The beginning, everything. funky Dori, yeah, he's very kind. He's very listening. He's very this person. He's a very this person. We split the bills and everything. It happens with me. I went with this girlfriend, and she was very, very good. We were, well, we were splitting everything. But sometimes you have to remember that when we are together, is there always a different thing? You used to look after each other in her mind, is that she just wanted to get married. And I said, listen, we need some time. Mm. We need some time. We need some time. No, that's what she was jumping on. And I said, no, it's not going to happen. i got three children. you got a child. You can't force your son to call me dad because I'm not his dad. You are putting words in his mouth. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's rubbish. And that's what a lot of women does, that they just want somebody to come. He got money. Let bring him and he will support and that's mm. a really wrong thought process and it's happening with my uncle he, he he's he's looking for a wife and everybody's looking at his his wealth actually not the person his wealth right yeah and he says sam everybody comes to me and they say how much money do you have then we will start our relationship and he says i don't want wow
1: it. <laughs> that really happens yes wow
0: Wow. And he, he went the way put money, but he is he's not money-oriented, but he's looking at, are you looking for a companionship or are you looking for somebody to feed you or your family?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So then he said to them, why don't you just go to the bank because they will charge you interest as well. Why don't you go back? They will give you the money. <laughs> the authenticity has gone in relationship. And this is... Yeah this apps comes out, which is uh, uh, plenty of fish and tender, Tinder and all those things. These are all, this is just a joke. Yes. Do you really find something real, a concrete person in there? Or you are just going for an enjoyment?
1: Right. What I, in, what I um, encourage people to do with the apps is look at it as entertainment If you need, you know, a little bit of entertainment or a little bit of validation, right. But think of it as an experiment, not as an actual investment of your time and energy, because sure. I mean, people do find their partners. I've heard stories. I know people personally who have, it's a needle in a haystack though. Mm -hmm. And it takes so much more work because especially on the apps and the websites, people are putting forth that idealized version of themselves. And like you said, it's not authentic. And so it takes so much longer to get to the authentic gooey parts because we have to peel back all the bullshit. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with going on the apps. I mean, there have been times I've, I mean, you know total transparency like i've i've been on the apps i haven't in years but like i would go through phases where it's like okay this is really entertaining and it's good for my self esteem you know cuz like swipe oh yay match great you know it's fine for a while but it can become obsessive like anything else and and what is that actually doing for you in terms of your own well-being um and and inner confidence if you're seeking that validation externally um, And so again, like, I just, I encourage people to use it as entertainment, but sparingly and look at it as an experiment so that you can kind of like gather data about, okay, these seem to be the people I'm attracting based on what I'm putting out there, which may or may not be true for me, but this is what is out there. And this is what people are responding to and, you know, start to gather data, but, but don't get lost in it because it's not real.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, we've covered so many areas, but this thing <laughs> can continue because it's got so many elements of it. Because a lot of people are uh, looking for a, a holistic relationship, mm-hmm. a relationship which has wholesomeness. It's yes. not about that, uh, I, when I will be in in relationship with you, I have an expectation. There is no expectation. In, yes. If you're together in harmonious way, in a loving way, if you are making a baby, making a baby together, is not that you are going to be uh, um, uh, going for a sperm bank and get a sperm from there. There are certain circumstances happen with women and men, all sorts of things happen, but does not mean that you completely uh, change the way things are you know Mm -hmm. human beings are being designed my mom and dad was married for 40 odd years they passed away both of them but Mm. but i was i had same conditioning that i want to stick to one woman but it did not happen my brother my older brother is married to his wife for almost 24 20 i think 30 years now Mm. so he's married to her with 30 years I'm in the house. Who is the who is the uh, middle child who has the courage to exit from his marriage? Mm. Because otherwise, they're stuck to their their belo- their wives, and I'm, yes. I'm I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. But again, you know, relationship is all about have a communication with two people. Mm. You know, you can't suffer in in silence. Yeah, if yeah. your if your wife is uh, experiencing trauma or anything like that you have to be there and vice versa where well, your husband yes. is going to because husband is going to do so many things if he lost the job the pressure is going to come how is going to how are you going to tolerate that so wife and husband and wife has to have understanding that this is this is the part of journey what the worse is going to happen
1: mm.
0: yeah what is worse is going to happen we're going to look for another job or we might look for something else. We will cut down our our outgoings and everything. We have to work in a team, in a harmony, and work as as two people, not one person. If I'm going to be saying, oh yeah, it's my responsibility. I'm the house man of the house. I'm suffering. I'm suffering. I'm suffering, and I'm died tomorrow with a heart attack Mm -hmm. because I was suffering with with anxiety, with stress, and all those things, and I could not cope, and I killed myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's going to What's going to happen is oh yeah, she's going to get the house. She's going to get the the insurance money and everything. But do you think the children are going to be happy losing their father?
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You will be thinking, oh, yeah, I lost my husband. Don't worry, I'm going to find another one. That's fair enough. That's fair enough because you have your life. But when he was alive, when he was alive, you never take take care of him. When Mm -hmm. he passed away, you are showing outside the world. Oh, my husband was so generous. My husband was this and my husband was that. Or you are doing the same thing for your wife. When she was alive, you never look after them. When they passed away, you are singing songs. Mm -hmm. That, oh, my wife was or my husband was so good. Why? When they are are alive, why don't you do the same thing? Not only Mm. husband and wife, to your extended family, your friends and your family and your mother and father and everybody. Yes. I've seen it in front of myself because of my friend, 60 years old, passed away. And when she was alive, nobody came to see her. Mm. Not regularly. But when she passed away, she sing, everybody singing songs. Oh, this person was so good. When she was alive, He never showed up. Yeah. Because I was bitter about those scenarios. So I talk <laughs> about it. But but Rachel, what, the discussion can continue, go on and on. We We have touched a lot of areas which were quite significant for the relationships and it it conveys the message that uh, the harmony only happening to people will have a pure communication mm. listening just mm-hmm. uh, it's about understanding those emotional needs physical needs and spiritual and mental needs combined together is a mixture of a goodness but more. yes and because we have been conditioned to a lot of things,
1: it's going to make it a little bit harder to bring those things together. Yes. Yeah. So much so. So well encapsulated.
0: Thank you. Would you <laughs> please uh, share your last wisdom before we uh, close down this mm. uh, podcast, please?
1: Yeah. You know, I would kind of sum up by saying we all crave connection and love. We all want to feel seen. And so why do we keep denying that to other people? It is so basic and it is so simple. And if we can just take the space and the moment to pause and really allow somebody to feel seen and safe in our presence, that is going to drive connection. And that can ripple out beyond just a, a husband and wife, beyond, you know, our immediate family circles, beyond our coworkers, when we practice this empathy and pausing and listening to understand rather than to respond and allowing people to really feel seen, that has such wide implications for a ripple effect for where people can really feel connected. And that's that's what I'm hoping for. That is my big purpose. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Rachel, Mm. for giving this. Thank you. It was amazing to hear your side of the uh, discussion and the journey and the wisdom you shared today. And I wish you all the best and all the success in your upwards and onwards journey. And Mm. uh, please get in touch. Rachel's information I will put into this podcast uh, description. So get in touch with her. And she's a connection coach. You know connections there are so many different elements to it. So you never know what sort of connection you're after at the moment. Mm-hmm. So getting touch with Rachel Jay, And uh, I really appreciate you listening to my podcast. Uh, if there are anything we can do more for you, just drop an email to sam at samdosa.com. Thank you very much. Have a lovely Thank day. Thank you so much, Sam. Bye for now.
1: Bye-bye.